the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time now for the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. On today's program, a conversation with a pastor that's been involved in ministry here in the San Francisco Bay Area, my goodness, uh, some 20-something years. He is Pastor Jason Fry, Senior Pastor of Calvary of San Mateo. Pastor Fry, great to have you with us today. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great to be on. Appreciate so it. tell us a bit about your your journey. I mentioned that you've been involved with Calvary, my goodness, 20-something years. Did I get that right? Yeah. So we moved out here in 2004, my wife and I, to do youth ministry. And, uh, you know, we were, I came to faith as a, you know, like a senior in high school around that time. And, you know, God just really got a hold of me, gave me deep convictions, you know, gave me really the desire to serve him. And then, you know, after getting married um, to my high school sweetheart, pretty much, (laughs) we we moved out here in 04 to serve and uh, to do youth ministry. So came out here, um, not any full time spot at the church, not a paid position at all. And we, we just came out here as a step of faith to serve. And I had visited a buddy that had moved out here and saw a lot of need. I moved from Calvary, Albuquerque. So I was going to Calvary, um, Calvary in Albuquerque there. And so I moved from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And, you know, just saw a lot of need here for the gospel, for strong churches, for strong believers. Um, you know, obviously it's a, a beautiful part of the nation. It's an influential part of the world and you know god just kind of stirred my heart and so we moved out here and uh, i've been bivocational uh the whole time and so um still bivocational actually but uh you know god is good he's he's been gracious he's he's provided he's done a, a great work allowed us to serve you know allowed my my wife to you know raise our three kids um uh, that we've had out here and so uh, yeah i've been serving at Calvary San Mateo since 2004, so almost 20 years uh, here, uh, was serving at Calvary Albuquerque before that. So, yeah, over 20 years serving within Calvary Chapel. And, um, yeah, that's... And you had been in the position, as you mentioned, uh, in, in youth ministry, both in Albuquerque as well as initially coming to the peninsula. What was yeah. that transition into becoming senior pastor like for you? <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting. There was many years as a youth pastor where uh, a buddy, uh, my friend Jeff York, uh, you know, we would serve together in youth ministry, and neither one of us had any desire to do um, you know a, a adult ministry. We we loved doing youth ministry. Uh, we would joke about you know a lot of felt like a lot of youth pastors would use youth ministry as a stepping stone into quote unquote real ministry. And, uh, you know, I saw real ministry as as youth ministry. I mean, the impact you can have, that time of life, that's when God got a hold of me. I mean, uh, just the whole thing. It's a lot of fun. You know, it's challenging. There's there's all that aspect to it. So I love I loved youth ministry. I still love youth ministry. It's got a, a huge part of my heart. It's a, a huge part of our church. You know, God's raised up leaders that are just awesome in that area and, and really grown our youth over the last few years. Um, so I love to see what's going on there. I love to have my finger on the pulse of, of youth ministry. And so God gave a piece, though, um, when the previous senior pastor, Dino Ashiki, felt called to, to move on, to move back to Hawaii um, and to take an assistant pastor role and, and just a, a, a change of season for him. You know, he talked to me about uh, becoming the the lead pastor or the senior pastor pastor at Calvary San Mateo. And, um, you know, I felt a peace from it as I prayed about it, uh, that 
you know, the Lord wanted to have a strong church. Um, you know, if, Hey, if you love youth ministry so much, why don't you have a church that, uh, helps disciple the youth? Why don't you have a, a strong church where youth feel welcome, but you know what? Everyone feels welcome, uh, from all ages. And, you know, um, I had somebody, you know, years ago at a, at a conference, uh, I did a live painting at this conference. And I remember the, the, the night before, um, you know, and, and people have different views uh, on on these types of things, but um, and, and I'm open to them. Obviously, test them against what the word says and hold fast to that, which is good. But you know, someone prophesied over me, and uh, you know, it was a conference with a a bunch of different denominations. You know, <laughs> and so, uh, but someone prophesied over me. I held it with an open hand, and they talked about uh, they felt that God was saying, you know, you're going to unite the old and the young. You know, God's going to use you to to do that. And so, you know, I that resonated with with my soul. It resonated with what I wanted to see God do. Uh, it came out of uh, seemingly nowhere. I didn't know this person. Um, you know, so it, it sounded like something the Lord would say. And so I, I've held that, you know, uh, close and, you know, yeah, with an open hand. And God seems to, to be doing that. And I'm just, you know, very thankful to to be able to see that happening. Um, and so God gave a piece to transition from youth ministry uh, to the senior pastor. Um, I had known a lot of the people for a while. Um, it was a, a fairly seamless transition. I don't think we really lost anybody at the time um, when the transition took place. You know, the, the leadership that was leaving was currently, was totally behind it. Uh, so it was it was a good transition. Pastor yeah. Fry, before time runs away from us, I want to have you spend a couple of minutes for folks that are new to the San Francisco Bay Area. Perhaps they've newly relocated to the peninsula. They're looking mm-hmm. for a new church home. Tell us a bit about what God is doing at Calvary Chapel of San Mateo. Yeah, amen. Uh, God's doing a lot. We, uh, we're we in a beautiful location. It's We're in a neighborhood. Uh, you know, you definitely got to go on the website, hit that direction. Um, button, uh, you know, we're up in a neighborhood tucked away, but we have a beautiful view of the Bay Area. We look directly at CSM, and um, we actually do have a trailhead that that ends or starts in our parking lot. So I always say you gotta you gotta do Google Maps to find it. But um, there have been a few families that have been hiking the area and suddenly stumbled upon our church, and we're like, oh, we should we should go to church here. We should try this out. We have a, a cross that overlooks the 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 view there on the drop off and um so god's doing a lot i mean we love the spot uh we we've been growing a lot um you know the pandemic and you know we reopened fairly early and we did outdoor services and things and 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 god really brought a lot of people that wanted to 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 worship and um you know we tried to just be as responsible as wise as we could but you know not forsaking the gathering of the of the saints together and uh, so all kinds of precautions but we we really wanted to to worship together and uh, that kind of like i would say kind of put us on the map uh you know there would be people like i had no idea about your church i mean we don't do a lot of advertising or anything like that and so but now word of mouth has gotten around and, and, and we were meeting new people every week. Uh, we we ordered a bunch of new chairs. We're maxing out our capacity inside, you know, parking, um, is a bit of an issue because our parking lot fills up rather quickly before, you know, our, our sanctuary will even fill up. So, you know, we start, we're going to start doing a shuttle. Um, you know, I, I always joke that, you know, we're on the top of a hill. So when you come to church here, if you didn't get a spot in the parking lot, you got a little bit of a hike in, you know, so it's a holistic uh, experience for you. Um, but, you know, God's doing an awesome work. He's, he's brought a lot of different people together. Um, and, and again, there's new people coming. We have, uh, you know, a lot of young adults that are starting to come as well. Kind of, you know, it's always looking at what demographic you know, if I'm just looking, if I'm just data minded for a second, you know, what demographic do we need more of, you know, and it's like, God, bring more young adults. And he's, you know, he's been bringing people that they're getting saved in during the pandemic alone in their room, just, you know, having Jesus speak to, I mean, just God's doing his thing. He's saving mm-hmm. people, you know, and, and incredible things. And, and he's bringing all these people together, and it's it's so good. I mean, we're in a time right now where it's just 
it's so awesome. I love what God's doing. I know change is the only constant and, and I'm kind of like want to keep things the same as they are now, but we, we need to start, uh, you know, doing multiple services, various things for more growth, uh, which is, is, is going to be some change, but, uh, you know, we, we teach the word of God. We just went through the book of Romans, took us a few years to get through that. You know, we're, we're in Psalm 23 right now. Uh, you know, we got a very vibrant kids ministry and, uh, we've had interns that just moved here from Idaho. Uh, so we're, we're very connected with Calvary Boise and, you know, we'll do missions with them and various things. And there was a, a young couple that felt God calling them out here to serve. Um, you know, and most people are going the other way, right? <laughs> most people are going to the Idaho, the Texas, the Florida. And so they're going against the grain. And I love that faith. I, you know, and it's been very reminiscent for my wife and I, when we launched out here, kind of just, just got married and, and just launched out here. Didn't have a lot of things set up. And, you know, here we were launching to a very expensive area of the country. And, and that's exactly what this couple is doing. So we're kind of rekindling that, that like first love of, of coming here and doing ministry. And so, you know, the, the children's ministry is growing, the youth ministry is growing. They just got back from a camp. Uh, the men's ministry is growing. Uh, the women's ministries is solid, solid. Um, such women of prayer and, and just women that love the Lord and, you know, we're, we're, we're going to Stanford, right? I'm, uh, this call right now, we have a group going out to Stanford to, to do uh, some outreach. We have YWAM, a YWAM group staying with us. So one of the things I love about our church building is it feels like a resort. It's beautiful. It's on the top of a hill and, and it's out of the noise of the, the Bay Area. And so, you know, I'm always like, oh, I want to be like on a main artery of the city, uh, which we have been before, but we've been in this building for the last 10 years, and I've come to love it. Pastor Jason Fry, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of San Mateo. Pastor Fry, thanks again so much for your time. All right. Thank you so much for having me on here. It's been a privilege, and uh, I love what you're doing. So keep doing it and, and connecting believers and seekers and everybody to solid Bible teaching churches. Romans 12. This is uh, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, These verses are, in fact, some of my favorite verses in the Bible. Uh, Romans 12. I've I've, I've loved these verses very much. And what we've been doing in going through Romans is we've been going through it systematically. We've been going through it expositionally, uh, word by word in some cases, verse by verse, Precept upon precept, line upon line, as the book of Isaiah uh, tells us to go through the word of God. Paul himself said he did not shy away of going through the whole counsel of God when he uh, raised up churches. Uh, I don't know how he did it so quickly, (laughs) Uh, but it's taking us a little longer. But Romans chapter 1 through 11 have essentially been very doctrinal. They've been a lot of theology. They've been a lot of instruction of who God is. What does this revelation from God tell us about Him? Right? Creation speaks of a powerful creator, right? Undeniable power and majesty and brilliance and genius. But who is He? Who is this creator? And the, the Word of God is the revelation of who God is. And it's given us great rich theology throughout the book of Romans. It's been essentially laying the groundwork for your life. And I know there was times where it was like, man, Paul's really hammering the righteousness through faith, you know, and and going over that again and again. Or, you know, he's really hanging up on this doctrinal thing. And, uh, And some areas may have seemed a little dry, but they are necessary. They're necessary, right? We just don't want to hear things that tickle our ears, or that entertain us. We don't come to church, hopefully, to be entertained, right? We want to come to get the Word of God. We want to come to hear truth. And Paul's been doing that through the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 11. He's been laying out such good groundwork. To recap a little bit, uh, chapters 1 to chapter 3, verse 20, spoke of the wrath of God against the sinful humanity. Uh, The next section was chapter 3, verse 21, to to the end of chapter 8, spoke of the grace of God, which is beautiful in light of his wrath and judgment. 
Uh, the third part, which we just finished, was chapters 9 through 11, which spoke about the plan of God for Jews and Gentiles, the plan of God. And now we're entering phase four. We're entering the fourth section of the book of Romans, which is the will of God. And this part is very practical. This is very instructional. The, the last section is, is good. It's, it's, it's saying it's getting all the truth we've learned, and now let's apply it. Now let's build it. Let, let's go. The, the title of the message is Rooted Deep and Built Up Strong. Rooted deep and built up strong. That our roots would go deep in who the Lord is. We would know why we believe what we believe. We could defend why we believe what we believe, but that we would, our lives would be built up strong. When I was growing up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, um, some of my friends moved to uh, newer areas, newer developments, and Albuquerque, if you're uh, familiar with it at all, is always expanding. It's always expanding out west. And so you have endless land out west, basically till you get to Arizona. You just got... Uh, endless desert. And so there would be new developments. And uh, what my friends and I would do is we would, uh, when they would start digging all the trenches for the houses, they would have this phase where they would spend a long time, these big tractors, and they're digging all these trenches. Me and my friends would go in the, the trenches and we would have dirt clawed wars. I'm not sure if you've ever had a dirt clawed war, uh, but it is the best thing ever. Uh, so you, and because the tractors would, you know, the, 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 the dirt out there is fairly tough, um, uh, not, you know, it's, it's high desert. And so you get these chunks of dirt that were like the consistency of a rock, <laughs> you know, and then we would be in the tunnels and like, ah, you know, throwing and going around the tunnels and eventually they would lay in the piping and various things that, that just got in our way, you know, now we had to crawl over the piping and. And uh, lobbing, you know, I remember sometimes, I remember this, I got this big one one time and just like, lobbed it over. And I hear my buddy, oh, 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 dude, that was too big. Good times. But then eventually we would get there and everything was covered up. And we're like, this is lame. You know, and then they would pour the concrete and then they would start building the framing and, and, and building up from there. And that phase would go pretty quick, and they also put fences around it and various things, you know. Um, I don't know why they, they would do that. Perhaps there was people breaking pipes, but they would. <laughs> and so that, that it, would, it would be built up. And I, I just remembered, and I was in the trades for a long time myself, that there's a lot of groundwork that needs to be done. In fact, the groundwork, the foundation, right, the, the Sermon on the Mount speaks about this, that the foundation needs to be laid. And the foundation of your life should be strong, right? What we see, the visible things we see in our life, that's, that's the framing. That's just the building. That, that could be easily blown away. But what is the foundation of our lives? What are we resting upon? And I feel like that's what the book of Romans is set up for. In fact, that's how Paul sets up a lot of his books, um, is that he will go through theology and instruction and, and who God is his nature, what he has said, his teachings and instructions. And then at the end of the book, he'll transition to practical matters of Christian living. And so that's what we, what we have going on here as well in this book, this great book. So uh, we are just going to be actually today in the first verse, um, and we'll be tackling the second verse uh, next time we gather, if we're all still here. So, um, so Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. Paul is opening up this section. I appeal to you, therefore. He is, uh, he's making a strong declaration. Not only is he somewhat switching gears but he is giving a strong encouragement to the church with, with his whole heart and soul, laying it out there on the page and on the journeys he took and, and giving his whole life away for the church. He's laying it all out there. And the, the Greek word for appeal is parakaleo. 
parakaleo. Para means with, you know, paramedics, there are medics with you into the hospital, right? Para, and then kaleo means to call, to call. So Paul is, is, call, is coming alongside the, the church. He's coming alongside us to call us, to urge us with the strongest possible terms, appealing to us. You know, the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians says that we as ministers of the gospel, all of us in here who know the Lord, uh, you're in ministry. Um, you know, just like to remind everybody of this from time to time. We're, we're, we're all in ministry. In fact, I would say you're more in ministry than I'm in ministry. You know, I'm, I'm a pastor is to, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, right? You're, uh, you all have a ministry, Right? The idea here is we, cut, we leave from here and we disperse into the world and do ministry through whatever means and vocation and sphere of influence God has given us. So Paul is calling alongside the church, appealing to them. And Corinthians says that we are to appeal to people as if Christ were pleading through us. We are ambassadors of the gospel. You know, and I think about that. If Jesus was here um, and he walked out, you know, and he would appeal to you as the church, do you think that would be profound and passionate and the greatest thing ever, right? It, it would be. It would be, it would be life altering. It would be soul shaking. And so we as a church are to appeal to people in the, in the same way that Jesus would as so Christ were pleading through us, and so Paul is appealing to us, appealing to us, coming alongside of us. Um, this word has a sense of almost begging, but I don't like that term when what we think of begging because he's not begging from a place of being desperate. Um, I wrote this. I said the Holy Spirit is using Paul to speak into your life as someone who truly and deeply cares for you. Somebody who truly and deeply cares for you. That's how Paul is speaking into our life here. And it's amazing to to think how many people in our lives truly and deeply care for us, right? Probably less than, than one hand, right? Of those who truly and deeply care for us, and Paul is doing just that. He's speaking to those who, uh, he's speaking from the heart of a father, the heart of God the Father, because he truly cares for you and I. There is a, an epidemic in our world where so many people feel like there's not people in their life that truly care for them and will speak truth into their life, will speak strong truth and strong encouragement into their life, that their life is worth something, that they were created for a purpose, for the glory of God. And Paul is doing just that. He's doing just that. So it says, I appeal to you, therefore. And so we get to the word, therefore. And when we get to the word, therefore, we... We see what it's there for, baby. We see what it's there for. I'm a simple man, okay? <laughs> I like to define things simply. You know, therefore, okay, what, what is this there for? Colossians 2, 6, and 7, from which the, the title of this message comes, says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Right? That therefore is calling back all that has been declared to us. Right? All the, the groundwork that has been laid in chapter 1 through 11. And, and you see this throughout, you see this in Colossians right here, how he had, had got done Colossians as a shorter book. So in chapter 2, he's already doing this. Uh, but he's laid some theology. He's laid some rich theology, some so he usually opens up a letter uh, blessing God, calling God the blessed, you know, maybe calling himself an apostle by the grace of God and going into rich theology. Ephesians 
Ephesians 4, he does the same thing. He actually combines the same things here of urging and therefore. Ephesians 4, 1 through 2 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience bearing with one another in love. God, what an amazing verse. He's urging us. He's urging the believers as he is a prisoner of the Lord. Literally, (laughs) he's in prison for the Lord. And he's urging them to walk in the manner worthy of the calling. That, That same walking in that manner worthy, it might end up having some of them go to prison as well. Be persecuted for their faith. How can you amp people up and rile them up and get them excited when you're urging them to, to die, to give their lives away, to possibly uh, endure persecution? Jesus said you, you will endure persecution for his name's sake. It's because there's greater joy in knowing Christ than anything we can go through. Right? There is greater joy. In fact, as persecution ramps up historically and personally for anyone who's been through it, You draw closer to the Lord, and the Lord draws closer to you. And it's in those moments that you're like, man, let's bring it, bring it on. Whatever may come. You know you're a part of an unstoppable mission for the love of God going into the world to triumph over the judgment of God for sinners. And so we have that ministry, we have that call upon our lives. Walk worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Here Paul is urging us in in Ephesians 4. He just got done with great theology in the previous chapters, laying a foundation so that he can build it up strong. And this is always the flow because Jesus did the same thing on the Sermon on the Mount, right? With with, uh, our, our foundation being solid so that when... The storms of life come, we will stand. Our life will stand in Matthew 7. And it's because of this. It's because everybody lives out their theology. Everybody lives out their theology. Whatever one may think about God or who God is, they live that out. Many people live out their theology in in thinking that God's not there. Right? Or, or suppressing that truth. Not wanting God to be there. Not wanting a judge over them. Somebody telling them how to live. Right? Many people, they don't, just don't want that. They reject Christianity flat out because they don't want that. They don't want some accountability. They don't know that God is good. And that His ways are better than our ways. Right? They're, they're like a child. Right? Wanting to eat candy for dinner every night. <laughs> they don't know that that's not a good thing, but in the mo- they want the moment. They, know, they don't know that God is good. And so we are here to tell them that God is good. He is good. He is better than the sinful living that they're doing. He is better than, than, than just doing whatever we think we, we ought, uh, want to do. There's a way that seems right to a man, says Proverbs. But in the end, it leads to death. Right? And Jesus says, He who gives away his life, gives away his life for my sake, will find it. Will find true life. That Zoe life, that true, good, rich, abundant, and eternal life. Eternal life. So, our doctrine, what we believe about God, is how we all end up living life. If you, believe, if, you, if you fear the Lord and love God, you're going to live a certain way. If you don't believe God's there, you're going to live a certain way. If you believe you could you'll morph into anything because there is no God, it's just a matter in motion, you will live a certain way. Everybody lives out their theology. Everybody lives out their theology. That's why it's so important that he puts the emphasis on theology, on who God is, His nature, So that we live a certain way. You want your life to bear fruit? Learn theology. (laughs) Learn who God is. Right? We all want the quick fix. 
Oh, I want, I want, you know, I want God to, to move in my life. I want to feel the goosebumps. I want to have that vibe, you know, of something. Without doing the hard work of knowing who God is, with meeting with God in His Word day by day, and knowing His promises, His truth, His Word, His character, His nature, all those things, we need to know who God is. And it will direct how we live it will flow from how we into how we live. So therefore, I appeal to you, therefore, we are making great time here. Great time. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. This is the Greek word Adelpho, brothers and sisters, the family of God. By the mercies of God. I appeal to you, therefore, by the mercies of God. So just a a little recap on some of the mercies of God that we've seen in the book of Romans so far. Great mercies of God. Look at these mercies of God that we've seen. Justification from the guilt and penalty of sin. Hallelujah. Adoption in Jesus and identification with Him. Mm, That rhymes. Placed under grace and not law. We're placed under grace and not law. The the law that hangs over our head to kill us because we fall short. We're placed under grace. The giving the Holy Spirit to to live within, that the, the Spirit of God dwells within us. The promise of help in all affliction. All affliction, we have a helper. You going through affliction? There's a good promise for you in the book of Romans. Suffering eclipsed by glory. Romans 8. This is a beautiful one. Suffering eclipsed by glory. That the glory of God, the glory of what God does in our life, will eclipse all suffering. All suffering. Assurance of a standing in God's election. Confidence in coming glory. The coming glory of Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Promise of God's continued faithfulness. This is, these are amazing mercies of God. Mercies of God. God is merciful and good. In fact, in, in um, Exodus, when God declares His own name, His own name to Moses, God declares that he is merciful and gracious. Merciful and gracious. It's one of the rare areas in the Bible where God himself gives like an autobiography of who he is. This is the Lord passed in front of Moses, and Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock. And it said, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Right? God, that's how, that's how God himself introduces himself. Right? If God had a name tag, you know, that's, that's what he would put on, on it, describing himself. Amazing. Amazing. So he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, so such great mercies that he has shared with us, He says, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. The next next chapters from Romans 12 where we're at to Romans 16 are very practical. There's some such great truth in there. It's super practical. It's like, let me write that down and apply that now, (laughs) today. Because it's built on the good theology of, of who God is. And then it should just be like a torrent that now unleashes. As if it's like been pent up of all this good stuff. Now we are to live that out. Church, live it out. And there's such great theology in the rest of, or, or um, instruction for us in Christian living in the next chapters. And he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. To the Greek mind, this would have been a little weird because they thought the body was just, Ick. Uh, you know, there's nothing good about the body. We're going to try and be super spiritual and reject the body. But that's not the case. Right? We are body, soul, and spirit together. 
right? And where our body goes, what our body does impacts our soul, impacts our spirit. You know, it's how a lot of them got away with indulging themselves in sinful things. Says, oh, that was the body. That wasn't my, that wasn't my soul. My spirit was over here doing holy things, but my body, I was getting down. You know, that, that was, that was a way that they found to try and skirt the whole issue of, of sin and guilt and shame. But this is very practical that we offer our bodies. We give our whole life to the Lord. And this says a living sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. They had in mind, they knew very much what it was uh, that sacrifices would be killed in the Old Testament. A sacrifice would be given. Blood would need to be spilt for sin. There is no forgiveness of sin without the, the spilling of blood. And so he says, offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Hey, you're not to kill yourself. You're to live for the Lord. You're to live for God. I heard it said once that the problem, the problem with living sacrifices is that they have a tendency to squirm off the altar. You know, we have a tendency to wiggle off the altar and, and do our own thing. It's like, God, just kill us. Just when we're doing really well, we're walking really strong, just bounce, take us out right there. Because we have the tendency to squirm off and do our own thing. And that's why again and again, we need to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to the Lord. Our whole self, this is speaking of of your whole self, your whole life. Lord, here I am. Like Isaiah in chapter 6, here I am, send me. Right, His, His whole self, here I am. Paul endured much persecution. Many of the saints, Hebrews 11, talk, they, they endured persecution. They endured hardship in their bodies in following Christ. It says, holy and acceptable to God. So offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We in and of ourselves are not holy. We are sinners. Right? We need to be covered by the grace of God. Right? We can offer our bodies alive to God. We can live for God because God died for us. He shed his blood for us. His sin has forgiven us. He died so that we can live. And so we are able to live for him and see the blessing in that. But we are to be holy. We are not holy in and of ourselves. But the Bible does say to be holy as he is holy. And holy simply means set apart. It means set apart unto God. That as believers, as a church, we're to be set apart. That God sets us apart, right? We're not watching the football game right now, right? Hopefully. (laughs) Someone's like, oh, I was just taking notes. Uh, (laughs) I I think football's back in season. I don't know. I don't pay attention. But if you want to get a football game and go play, let's go. Um, But, where was I? (laughs) We, um, holy, we're set apart, we're, right? We're setting this time apart to gather here as a church, right? Every day we, should, we set apart time to spend with the Lord in his word and in prayer, right? And we need that set apart time because we have to be set apart. Not in the world or, or not, not of the world, but in the world. Right? But we get set apart, we get equipped, we get strengthened, we get called, we get the, to the Lord to, to speak into our soul and our life, the calling that He has placed upon us, right? So we take time to be set apart. And God sets us apart to call us right back in. To call us right back into the world. Now to be salt and light, right? To have the strength to live it out. Right to have the, the strength to not fold under pressure, you know, under pressure of living for Christ and speaking His name, speaking the name of Jesus in the public square. And then we do that, and we're depleted. <laughs> so what do we do now? Well, we get called right back. We get set apart again. Lord, I need you. I need this set apart time with you. Right. So we're to be holy. We're to walk in holiness with the Lord, confessing our sins. Um, repenting of our sins, turning to God, spending time with Him, knowing that we are washed clean because of the blood of Christ and then sent back right into the world on fire and ready to go and amped up. You know, not in ourselves, but in the Lord. Right? Set apart and then, and then sent back in. 
And it says, holy and acceptable to God. Holy and acceptable to God. You know, I was, I was reading through this, and I like these verses a lot. I got to memorize. I've spoken through them many times. Actually, in youth camp, you know, they're the verses that I used in, for my session. But I was thinking about this acceptable to God, holy and acceptable to God. And I wrote that people tend to think that a wink and a nod toward God are acceptable and enough. They are not. They are not. Right? People want God to ride back seat in their life or in the trunk <laughs> sometimes. You know, we want a little bit of God. I'll have a side of God and then uh, what do I really want to do here? You know? This, we're to offer ourselves, our, our whole selves to God, our whole selves to the Lord. Not just give him a wink and a nod. You know, some people are like, oh, yeah, the big man of stars, yeah, we're going to be cool on that day. You know, I think he'll let me in heaven. Like, no. <laughs> it, it, you know, sure, you know, the faith of a mustard seed and a, burn, a smoking flax, God will not put out. But once you know that, once you know that, he calls you deeper. He calls you into more. James 1 says that the person who is, who is, who is tossed to and fro, double-minded, that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. Those who gives God his nickels and spare, you know, extra time, just if I got a few minutes, maybe I'll read my Bible, you know. You're not going to receive anything from the Lord. Because God is so much more worthy than that. In fact, when you try and give him the leftovers, you'll think little of God. If you try and give God the leftovers, you'll be like, yeah, because it's just God. It's not, it's not, I got, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> it's like, Nah. We, to be acceptable to God. What is acceptable worship? This whole section, this whole first verse is talking about what is acceptable worship to the Lord. It's like looking at the most blazing galaxy, amazing thing you could ever see and just being like, oh, that's cool. What? <laughs> I, don't think you, I don't think you quite understood what you just saw. You know, we're to give everything because we, we've seen the blazing glory of, of God. The blazing glory of, of Christ. And so we are giving everything. God, to, this, this is how I'd love to live. Is to live my life to have given everything for God. Amen. To have given everything and then stand in His presence. And when I see His face, I say to myself... I made no sacrifice. I made no sacrifice. I was, I was privileged and blessed to give of the short life I had on this earth back to the Lord. I didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that. Now, I remember the first mission trip I went on was so good because it really got a hold of my life because I was like, oh, mission trip, uh, summer, you know, I got, I got, this is my summer, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm 17, like, you know, I got a lot of things going on. And, and so I was like, oh, I guess I'll try and go on this mission trip. And I had raised no money, you know, and I came, I remember I was wearing like a wife beater tank top and they're like, uh, excuse me, you can't really wear that here, you know, and I'm like, oh, you guys are so lame, you know, and, and uh, I was like, and then, you know, I was part of the training and I was going and I was like, man, this is, this is cool. Like this is stirring something in my soul that I haven't really felt before. And then at the end of the training, I was like, man, I got to go on this trip, but I have no money, <laughs> any money. And I'd heard stories about, you know, God providing money and all this, but I'm like, it's, you know, it's probably not going to happen with me. And then uh, that night, you know, we went to bed. And I remember my brother was going to go too, and you know he didn't have raise the money either, and so uh, it's a fry thing. Uh, <laughs> but for the grace of God, thank you Jesus. Um, and then the the next day, you know, that night I was really torn up. I remember I was like weeping and just like, man, Lord, I'd, I'm going to go back to my stupid life. 
without you, God. I felt like I was just missing out on what God was doing, you know, although God's everywhere. But, and so I, I was, you know, that next day I was like, all right, hit me with it, you know. I know I don't have any money. And, and they're like, hey, last night uh, some random church from Texas. God bless Texas, by the way. Some random church from, <laughs> some random church from Texas called us and asked if anyone needs any thousands of dollars of money to go on a mission trip. And they're like, yeah. And so I, my brother and I talked, we're like, it's all, both of us are none, you know, all or none. And so, um, and so, he's like, you go. I was like, no, you go. No, you go. No, you. And so they are like, you're both paid for. And it was, I remember that moment, I was like, man, no way. No way. And then went on this mission trip. And I remember when I got back, it was, it was the greatest summer. It was so great. It was so hard and difficult and stinky. <laughs> but it was amazing. It was amazing. And I remember it's really when I was spoiled for anything less because I got back. And I, you know, a lot of my friends weren't believers. And I was like, just changed. And I was like, so what did you guys do this summer? Oh, you know, he's hanging out, go walking at the mall, you know, playing video games, you know, doing this and that. And I was just like, man. I had the most amazing summer, you know, and they didn't really quit quite get it, you know, but it was that being spoiled for anything less because I gave everything. I gave everything. You know, it's like when people are like, well, I can't give everything to God. It's like, think of like a, a, a stupid, no, no offense. Think of like a 17 year old, like I know everything, you know, saying like, oh, my summer's going to be cool. I don't need God. Like, I'm going to do my own thing. It's going to be the best summer ever, you know, and I'm going to vlog about it. Best summer ever. And being like, it probably won't be, you know, like they think they have it all figured out, you know. That's how it is when we're like, well, I don't know if I'm going to give God everything, you know, because I got my plans. I got my thing going on. And I think when we don't give God everything, we're never going to experience everything he has for us. We're, we're going to miss, amen, we're going to miss who he is and what he wants to do in our life. We're going to miss it. We're going to think little of the things of God because we never gave everything, our whole selves to him to experience everything. And there's a truth there that, that it only unlocks when we give everything. And then we see, oh, I almost missed it. I almost missed all this because I was so clouded by the cares of this world and everything trying to choke out the word from my life. I almost, I almost missed it. Hebrews 11 says that he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That sounds like someone who gives everything to him to experience him back. So present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So this words, this phrase, spiritual worship, is a doozy. <laughs> it's a good one. It is a very rich, rich word. It's like that. It's like that juicy tri-tip steak that we're going to eat tomorrow night at men's. It's a good one, okay? Because your translation might not say spiritual worship. Yours might say reasonable service, right? Yours might say um, something else. I wrote all these. There's my notes. I'm like looking here. I'm like, I don't even, I didn't put all those here. Yours might say, um, I can't read that. <laughs> so the Greek word, yes, the Greek word here is logikos. Logikos, right? Where we get the word logical, right? Reason, right? And so this thing is saying because of all of God's mercies, because of all who God is, Presenting your whole body, your whole life, giving everything to God, to this God. Giving everything. It's a no-brainer. 
It's the logical thing to do. It makes sense. Right? It is the logical, it's a reasonable service. It's a spiritual act of worship because giving of ourselves is an act of worship. Right? Singing is a great way to worship. But singing is like the end of worship. Right? Giving your life to serve the Lord is worship to the Lord. Right? Especially when it's not something you might choose or a place you would rather not go when you go, when God puts a burden on your heart and you go, you find the joy at the end. The singing is at the end. The singing is just like, that's the end of worship. Where we're just so, yes, let's sing now. Let's praise. Let's worship through song now. Right? Living your life for God is a spiritual act of worship. It is a reasonable service. It is rational. It is true and proper. It is the logical thing to do. There's a translation or a, a, a paraphrase of this of Romans 12, 1 and 2 by J.B. Phillips. And he says, uh, Romans 1 and 2, here's his paraphrase. He says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God. There it is. I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship. I like how he's intelligent worship. To give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove and practice that the plan of God for you is good, it meets all his demands, and moves towards the goal of true maturity. I love this. We'll get more on that for verse 2. It's the squeezing into the mold. But I like that that paraphrase of these verses, the intelligent worship, as J.B. Phillips would call it. So, it is the reasonable thing to do. It's very reasonable. You know, God, serving God is, is a holistic, it's, it's, it's passion, it's fire in the soul, it's excitement, it's joy, it's singing, it's praise. It comes from a place that, that sometimes bypasses intellect where it's just like the peace of God surpasses all understanding. Sometimes you just don't understand it. You know, a lot of it's driven by just the Holy Spirit stirring within you and you can't explain it, right? You can't, you're not supposed to explain a lot of things. You know, we, we, we uh, don't depend on our own reasoning at times. You know, we trust in the Lord with all of our, our, our heart. And lean not on our understanding and acknowledge him in all of his ways. You know, sometimes we don't understand it. We just trust. You know, but there is a side of it too where we don't check our brains at the door. We worship God in spirit and in truth. Right? We use our reason. We say, we calculate this out and be like, uh, yeah, I should give God my whole life. <laughs> that's, what, that's what the math says. You know, there's, there's this whole aspect to it. You know, years ago in D.C., a bunch of atheists and unbelievers got together to have this thing called the Reason Rally. And, uh, <laughs> and I love to just trash this thing. It's just so ridiculous. And so they all get together. They're like, reason, you know. Where does reason come from without God? Uh, but anyway, um, so they're all getting together. And it was just such a dud. Like the weather was bad. You know, it was just a downer. And it was so funny because I watched a few of the things. And there would be people coming up to speak, you know, like Richard Dawkins, you know, and then they would come up and, and, uh, and they would try and like pump people up about like pushing, like we don't need God, we have reason, you know, we're not dumb. And, and it was just, it fell so flat because they got nothing, right? They're grasping at reason. They can't even justify it in the first place and but there's nothing else there. Their, 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 their soul is like, oh, I don't even have a soul. You know, I'm just molecules. Uh, you know, it's like, and it was, it was such, it fell flat, and they, they haven't had one since because it fell flat on its face. I remember I was listening to someone talk about it, and they're like, well, you know, people that are very reasonable, they're just not very excitable, and so, yeah, it was kind of lame. Because <laughs> they have nothing to get excited about. Like, we have so much to get excited about, like... I can't make sense of a lot of it. But you know what? We can also make sense of it when we sit and think about it. Kind of. 
Because then it blows your mind. So think about this in closing, that God created all things. Created the universe. How did he do that? He spoke. Right? He spoke it into existence. And then he made male and female, right, and animals and stuff. And how did he do that? Well, he, I guess he used his hands, you know, though God the Father, Spirit, and Truth. Like, uh, but, you know, God formed you within your mother's womb, knit you together, you know, as, as Psalm 139 says. So it's like God spoke the universe into existence. And then God formed humanity like a sculptor, like a potter, shaped us. A little more effort, right? Speaking, universe, let there be light, and there was light, right? Amazing. Doesn't seem like that much effort for God. Right, but just to make humanity, okay, getting his hands dirty a little bit. Making humanity, a little more effort. And then humanity goes astray and sins against God. And then what does God have to do to redeem humanity? Well, he has to die. God has to die for us. So he speaks the universe creates us with his hands, and to redeem us, he has to die. Live a perfect life in Christ and die a horrific death. I think it makes sense that we give our whole life back to God. He made you. Amen. The air we're breathing, everything he spoke, everything you enjoy outside, spoke into existence. He made you, he created you, your organs and your body, fearfully and wonderfully made. And then to redeem you, he had to die a criminal's death on the cross. Right? The logical thing to do of a created human being with a God that did that for me is to give my life back to the Lord. All of it. All of it. God, my reasonable service. This is just a reasonable thing to do. This is the logical thing to do, is to give myself back to you. Not holding anything back, Lord. It's all yours. That might be a scary thought, and it should be. <laughs> it should be. Your journey of faith should not be boring, okay? You should have butterflies in your stomach once in a while serving the Lord. All right? Like, we're promised eternity. Like, spice it up a little bit. Like, live risky for Christ. Okay? Don't play it safe. Give it all to the Lord. That's what he's telling us here. That's what he is appealing to us as someone who truly cares about us, truly cares about the church. As, as, as though God were pleading through him, he's appealing to us that that would be our act of worship that we would present our bodies as a living sacrifice to Him. Pastor Jason Fry, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of San Mateo. We invite you to check him out on the web. Simply go to calvarysanmateo.org. This has been the Church of the Week, showcasing churches and pulpit ministries from across the greater San Francisco Bay Area. To nominate your congregation for Church of the Week, please email us the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to your church's website to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. Again, that's the name and address of your pastor and church along with a link to the website and email to churchoftheweek at salemsf.com. While all submissions will be considered, not every submission is guaranteed airtime. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again next week at this time for the Church of the Week. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.